This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Good evening to everyone and welcome to tonight's edition of Beyond Governance. My name is Nimrod Mbele and I'm a, I'll be your host for the next hour or so. Um, the country is still mourning the death of political heavyweights and of course the in the name of uh, Winnie Mandela and of course the the, the business icon in the name of, of Pam Golden. Uh, and for me, these women um, have laid a solid, a solid foundation um, in terms of uh, uh, attending or attacking all the sorts of stereotypes <coughs> that um, are, are unknown to men, as it were. Um, and through these women, patriarchy, for an example, has been completely uh, destroyed. And, and they, because of the foundation which they have uh, put together, um, and... and, and, and uh, we need to be celebrating these kinds of, of, of heroines uh, from time to time. Um, and that sadly, as, as, as community or society, we have the propensity to celebrate uh, these, these icons uh, after their death. And, and, and perhaps maybe we do, there's something that we need to do differently. Uh, we need to celebrate these individuals when they are still alive so that they can begin to enjoy and appreciate the kind of work they did, the kind of... Uh, uh, or display the kind of appreciation we need to uh, uh, show them while they're still alive. Uh, moving on swiftly, um, let me just thank Benji Shulman, uh, Shasha Star and Hilton for giving you guys, uh, uh, or keeping you rather entertained uh, throughout the day. Um, tonight I'm not flying solo. I have Tabo, who has become a permanent feature of the show. And once again, Tabo, I would like to extend, extend a warm welcome to yourself, sir. Thank you, Doc. Thank you very much. Um, as as um, for those that who have missed our show last week, I implore you to go to our website. Uh, it's easy. Go to www.highfm.com and look at the, the the podcast under Beyond Governance and and download it. And tell me your views uh, because this is your show, it's not my show. Uh, I always promise to revert back to you, and I do that instantly. Um, and tonight, you know, uh, tonight's show as we we recalibrate. The lives and and uh, the lives of the late Winnie Mandela, as it were. Uh, I also welcome your th- welcome your thoughts on three four five one nine. My email is nimrod If you so wish to do that, um, in making sense of this this icon that I see in Winnie, for an example, I have um, invited a a friend, a colleague, uh, a person that I, will, I hold it. Absolutely, uh, dear, and his name is Lassie Chimawo. Uh, who is Lassie for those who know Lassie? Lassie is a former MP during the Mandela and Tabo administration, a former Missy of Education in Pumalanga, a former Executive Mayor of Mbumbela in Pumalanga, a former Council General to China. Um, he also acted as a Premier of Mpumalanga on behalf of Metipos at the time. He has also been the Chief Whip of Mpumalanga Provincial Legislature. So the, the list goes on and on and on. The reason why I, I decided to bring in Lassie, particularly in the context of, um, you know, the death of Mama Winnie, um, because he's one person who knew her in person, uh, both in Parliament, they both had acted as MPs at some, at some point. So it, I thought it, it would have been very useful for, for the listeners just to hear exactly how um, you know, Mr. Lassie interacted, engaged uh, with, with, with Mama Win, as it were. Without any waste of time, let me take this opportunity to welcome uh, Lassie and say, Chief, 
Uh, good evening and welcome to Beyond Governance. Good evening, uh, Dr. Nibrut Bell, and thanks. Uh, and good evening to the listeners of High FM. Thank you very much. Uh, after all, it has been a while since you have been, it has been. Uh, <laughs> uh, in, in our in our midst. Uh, it has uh, been Lassie. kind of lost touch, but uh, yeah, we'll recalibrate. Uh, it is never too late, like mm. as they say. But Lassie, take me through here. Um, we all know that uh, Winnie was an icon. Um, but but maybe it might be useful for you just to share with the listeners in that you were once um, a prisoner at Robben Island. Hmm. What has been your experience as a prisoner at, at Robben Island when you had the likes of Winnie coming through to, the, to visit other political prisoners, including the late uh, Nelson Mandela? Um, uh, on, the, on the lighter side of uh, the experience uh, of being in prison and uh, receiving visitors, we had a standing day. It was a Friday of every of every week. Uh, in fact, it was a visit, but also a day on which we were, you know, receiving letters. If there's anything that uh, has always been like an experience of, you know, a drop of water in a desert, uh, it has been the experience of getting, you know, anyone coming through to visit you, or at least getting a letter. And I think the it is in the nature of. Uh, you know, yeah, let's call it human nature or human beings that uh, you'd always have a sense of missing of that which uh, com- completes you. Uh, if you, you're a male figure, uh, that which really leads to your complete sense of uh, completion and call it self-fulfillment and actualization is having someone of the opposite sex. And uh, indeed, uh, it's something that we had to learn to suppress, you know, that we, we existed as active uh, you know, sexual sense of beings because obviously there was no, no, no activity, you know, that uh, could really close that gap. But any moment that you'd have someone visiting, especially of a, an opposite sex, was was just was just an, an, an amazing experience. In fact, I remember quite a lot of us would always even have a roster of, uh, you know, visiting social workers and uh, nurses. You should see the long, endless queue if we have learned that it will be a lady coming. And anyone and everyone will have a pain on his back, you know, just to feel that touch, you know, <laughs> not on your head or on your fingers. But I think coming to the the political dimension, it has, it has always been, you know, something very, very inspiring. Uh, remember, uh, we, uh, the, the late uh, mama, uh, mother of the nation, Winnie Mandela, you know, was, was really more of a symbolic person. In one way or the other, in her own name and right, uh, you know, she became a, a very important figure, you know, that, that closed the gap. Uh, during the years of uh, the you know the pending of the ANC of, of uh, the highest uh, repression experience that we've had, so it's uh, it was a completely different uh, you know human being uh, you know you know coming through and uh, uh, we were not necessarily in the same cells uh, you know with uh, uh, former President Nelson Mandela uh, prisoners were kept completely in separate camps A and B were for. Those that were regarded as uh, leadership, uh, uh, primarily the Rivonia trialists, uh, were in section A. Uh, section section B, actually, that's where even uh, Tokyo Sukhale was. Uh, section A was uh, more like a transit. Uh, so the the, the entire uh, Rivonia trialist uh, detachment and those that were regarded as, you know, rotten apple, apples or more influential were all kept, you know, separate uh, from us. But yeah, it's it's been it's been quite an experience. 
Okay, take us through here now. That's quite interesting. You're making you're making mention of different cells. Yes, yes, groups. yes. Yes. Which cell did you were you looking? I was at? I was in cell E. I think we're about thirty five of us in C, D, E. They actually went up to up to H, and H was primarily kept for the elders. Uh, those that were not necessarily part of the Reverend Trialis, but uh, that were regarded as, as leaders and much older than, than we, uh, we were. Actually, some were there before us, but even those that uh, came, they would always be kept in that, in that uh, C and D, at CDE, were actually, you know, uh, most of us were any th- age between 17 to, I would say, 20, 23. Uh, because it's quite, quite a detachment. Of, I, I, and I've read somewhere that you were probably one of the youngest uh, <laughs> I was uh, uh, prisoners at Robin Island. I was. I How was. old were you were then? I was 17 when I was arrested and I was 21 when I was released. And I think an interesting dimension uh, to that is that with the forcible, uh, uh, with the forced uh, removal of, you know, adults uh, that had to spend a lot of, I would say a long time in, in prison without the experience of interacting with young ones in a close contact, you know, space, uh, we, we automatically became the kids of, uh, you know, Rowan Island. And, you know, one, one, what one will always appreciate is the, the extent of attention and I think also huge investment that our elders made in us because for the period that we're supposed to be there, you know, they saw us as people that they had to invest in that would be prepared for leadership roles when we go outside. Thank you very much for that insight, which I think is quite fascinating. Now that we, we, we're sitting here with, with a, a you know, former uh, prisoner at Robben Island who have had that kind of an experience. But anyway, tonight's conversation is not so much about uh, you know, Robben Island as such. It is more really about your own personal experience of how you've understood uh, the late Winnie Mandela. Uh, one of the, 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 the um, a political icon defined uh, Winnie as the most uh, indelible person ever. What's your take? How would you, dis- how would you describe Winnie? We, we <clears throat> I think we're fortunate that uh, in, <clears throat> in our very, very, very young, at, at a very early stage of our, uh, our political involvement, that among the people that we were introduced to were, <clears throat> were the... the the mother of the nation, as she was then known, uh, must have been uh, 13, 14, 15 when, uh, when we first met her. And she always, as I said, uh, you know, she always came across as this symbol, uh, not just carrying the Mandela name, but, you know, a leader in her own name and right. Because from the onset, you know, from the Verona trial uh, 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 events that took place in 1954, she was among the most recognizable you know, faces of those that uh, were there to demand the release of uh, the the, uh, the, the trialist. Actually, it was a treason trial of 1954, and then became a a symbol of resistance uh, when uh, you know the revolutionary trialist Nelson Mandela was arrested in 1962, 1964, uh, 1962, and uh, the trial obviously took in, took place in 1964. If I recall history records, but she she continued to be you know that symbol. She she then also filled the gap. During the penning era, especially around, uh, you know, just after the 60s, uh, with the emergence of black consciousness movement, uh, during the era of uh, Steve Biko, Bojo, Arlo, and many others that came from the PCM, uh, she's, she kept the candle of the revolution, if you like, or the struggle, you know, you know, you know penning. But that which made uni- uh, Winnie Mandela uh, a unique human being is that she was unbreakable. She was, uh, she was uh, uh, very solid. Uh, she... She was fearless, and um, 
And uh, I, I agree fully with the dis- description, uh, the late uh, Chris Hani, you know, okay, that shows, uh, you know, uh, the most uh, resilient, uh, the resilient, most uh, resilient human being because you couldn't. And relatable. Say. I think what was more from a relatable uh, symbol of resilience. Um, it's a, it's an interesting contradiction. Uh, someone strong, but actually very, very fragile and soft. Uh, you know, if you interacted with it at a personal level. Um, and uh, one thing that uh, no one can take away from Winnie Mandela is the. The, the, the entrenched sense of connection with, uh, you know, poor people, especially, yeah, the masses of the people, especially the poorest of the poor, because she always aligned herself, you know, with those. She always, uh, you know, I think shaped her own, call it philosophical and constru- uh, thought construct process on the basis of, uh, you know, taking care, looking after the poorest of the poor, especially the most, uh, you know, those that founded the lowest rung. And one thing that you'd find in her whole career is always being, you know, in the informal settlements and actually always being in the forefront, even ready and prepared to use her name, her authority, her, her authoritative figure, her profile, you know, to face uh, even prospects of uh, taking a bullet you know, on, on behalf of, uh, you know, those that were victims of the repressive, you know, system uh, of, of apartheid. And I think she has also in many ways, through that resilience, saved, uh, you know, situations that could have exploded. Uh, Sharpville uh, is a typical example of, uh, you know, what, what happened uh, that led to a blood path, uh, you know, peaceful uh, protesters that were opposing the past system. And there are many incidents where there could have been similar you know, incidents, but uh, Winnie offering herself as a shield, you know, coming in the middle of, uh, you know, <clears throat> Mandela in the, in the middle of, you know, a, a police with guns and that were, were trained and conditioned, you know, to, to just do anything and especially shoot the slightest provocation whenever they're in the townships. And I think there are many symbol, symbolic Absolutely. experiences where you'd see and, and, and should literally confront any situation fearlessly and, you know, whether she's dragged or... She's just never, yeah, she's an amazing, I don't think there's any, any possibility of ever having such a creature, you know, created in the, in the next thousand years. With which brings my next question around her legacy, uh, particularly when you look at the, 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 the cohort of leadership at, within the ANC Women's League, for example, mm-hmm. who do you think is capable of living up to that kind of expectation? I know it's a very unfair, yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. unfair <clears throat> uh, comparison to make, but worthy of noting, considering the fact that she has laid a solid foundation for the future generation of mm-hmm. Women's League to live up to her expectation or to live up to her kind mm-hmm. of, of, of stature. Who do you think, but in my view, truth be told, mm-hmm. I perhaps maybe we don't have sufficient knowledge of how the Women's League uh, operates and who are the the, the thought leaders within organization, you know, at that level. You, pardon me, we, you might have mm-hmm. uh, aware or you might be aware of a number of uh, female leaders within the the Women's League who have benefited from the strong foundation that uh, she has built. For an example, when you look at the likes of 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 Lamini as an example, um, from a leadership point of view, I mean, there's a huge contrast. Mm. We 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 all products of uh, you know uh, conditions uh, under which we are brought up and experiences that we we go through, and uh, in that context, uh, there would not be any set of circumstances that propelled the kind of character and nature of the human being we had in Winnie Mandela. There would never be any repeat because it's a <clears throat> it's an experience that has uh, different dimensions to it. 
a personal response and reaction to the destruction of a, a relationship that was at, at its early stage with Nelson Mandela. A very exciting, romantic story. Hopefully one day there will be a movie that just captures that, you know, light-hearted side of, uh, of, 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 of life of two great giants that emerged in their own name and, 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 and you know, characters and became you know, symbolic of the, I would call the resistance process and the struggle for freedom in, in, in South Africa. But I'm, I'm saying that, that, that with obviously what she had to go through, uh, when the penning era, well, the, the, the first thing was the repression, uh, the arresting of uh, leaders, <coughs> driving some of them into exile, and the penning of the organization, and someone that st- continued to be active even under you know those circumstances uh, she it's it's like uh it's like a, a, a an iron you know going through a furnace <laughs> it's something that really molds you to be something different uh, based on the intensity of the heat that you're subjected to and i don't think that uh, any women that came after <clears throat> her, her, her era of women like uh, mama sisulu mama uh, albertina Mama Tambo and, and many others, Mashope, uh, I don't think that there's any circumstances that can be compared with that era. But it's, uh, it's also something that happened in intensified, you know, evolving activities that uh, also took the liberation movement through different phases. I mean, mm-hmm. the ANC of 1942 was different from the ANC of 1912 because then they relied more on deputations and peaceful engagements. But once they started realizing that uh, there was an intensification of repression, so did also the forms and methods that the ANC adopted change. A defense campaign that was initiated by the Youth League, uh, which was established in 1944 for its but defense campaign was launched in 1949, changed the, 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 the form and content of the resistance capacity. So in that broad context you you also have individuals that are being shaped by the conditions and it's a it's a matter of a contradiction between <clears throat> you know the situation you want to change and the opposition and uh, the 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 the, uh, the the attack that comes from the enemy that wanted to 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 to, to safeguard and obviously protect itself and 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 if you go to the post uh, 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 pending era which is 1990 you you have you have you had, you had a situation where it was not risky to get involved. You did not face any risks of being driven to exile, prison. Others did not even, you know, you know, you know, survive, and others actually disappeared. Uh, and so, there, there is no, no no way we can compare, you know, the character or characterization of that situation and the, the nature of human beings that will emerge out of that situation and era. I would, uh, I would say at the, at the risk of contradicting myself that there's, there's no way in which we can ever have a repeat of a Winnie Mandela on the South African political scene and its, its history. It's uh, just one of those experiences mm. in life that you have this unique sense of being, as I said, made by conditions mm. that are unique that can never be repeated because... Uh, there's nothing that will like that will bring a similarity between those conditions and the, and the current. But also having to really be on your own for 27 years, having married, being young with only two kids, literally being a symbol of a struggle or struggle on the other hand, but also raising kids as a single mother and at the same time. But being th- this is something that that <coughs> that that I find quite amazing, mm. Lassie, because. Um, when you read her life and, and tribulation, I don't think there is sufficient attention on that side of things mm. and the extent mm. to which the system 
um, almost destroy brutalized, her. Brutalized. You know, brutalized. So, 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 so mm. much. And, 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 and I get very disturbed when I see some of the very negative uh, articles that we've seen. And of course, um, she's human like anybody else. No, no, she, she, she was no capable of making mistakes. mistakes You're absolutely correct. Nobody's infallible. Mm. Uh, but, but these and kind are, of... We are, are bound to reach a point of saturation. You know, if you are subjected to an intensive, consistent, unbreakable you know, kind of uh, toxic uh, attack. Sorry, sorry. But but moving beyond that, Lassie, uh, one of the things that I I want to um, acknowledge her on is that of breaking the gender barriers. She was, in my view, a trailblazer in terms terms of setting precedent around... um, attending or attacking the stereotypes <laughs> around she, gender. She was a fearless fighter <laughs> and took on anyone and everyone. Actually, there's no one that survived when it's rot, including the former president, Nelson Mandela. You know, the T- Take us through <laughs> them. That's quite an, the, no, I found it very, very exciting. <laughs> the, the, the propensity of individuals that become larger than life uh, uh, is that uh, in one or the other, consciously or unconsciously, they become, they, they, they become victim of what I call you know, cult culture. To a point that uh, anyone and everyone would not, uh, you know, dare come anywhere close. It's only Winnie Mandela. Was she feared or respected? Um, she, she was respected. She was respected for her boldness. And as, as I said, for independent and critical, you know, thought, thought construct process. Winnie Mandela is known for her consistency. She has stuck. She has been, actually, it's, it's, it's unusual. Human beings have a tendency of changing as and when conditions uh, change. But she really kept the, the character of a leader that uh, never lost touch with, as I said, the grassroots that she represented. And actually seeing herself as an epitome, as the total summation of uh, the aspirations and the hopes of, of the people. And was always on the side of the poorest of the poor and actually most importantly becoming their, their voice. And uh, as I said, in, in most instances, she would even confront the uh, leadership of the ANC. Of course, at times, being as extreme, uh, you know, just as you'd find in a rose that there's a smooth part, uh, there's a nice smelly part and the rough, you know, edges uh, of the thorny part. Uh, they, they, would, they would naturally be, you know, you know some of those, those reflections. And I think without justifying, it is something that we also have to look in context on what she went through. Because uh, a, a, a human being that is put through such uh, emotional trauma and brutalization, and remember, it did not just end with repression. Even post uh, 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 in a post-apartheid era, you could see that there was a dedicated and focused attention given to demonize, you know, to really completely distort what she stood for. And and I mean, like uh, any other people who <coughs> who who sometimes you know, articulate uh, 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 interest of those that they represent. They sometimes go, yes, to extremes, uh, uh, something that you may call radicalization, you know, and, 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 and maybe with a, a thin line, you know, overlapping into what you can call being populist. Uh, <laughs> because uh, in, in, a, in a theater of a struggle where you, you become a voice of the voiceless, the, there is no possibility of always suppressing you know, uh, an edge of even going beyond what you can call normal standards, you know, of acceptable behavior. Noted, <laughs> no, no, noted, noted, Lassie. And I could see, I could feel the passion uh, as, as you speak. This is somebody who have known Winnie, yeah, uh, who, have, who have experienced and worked mm. with her for a number of, of, yeah. of, of years. We've, we're brought up by yeah. in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. But here's a question for me. Um, 
obviously every politician harbors ambitions of being of becoming uh, or sitting at an apex of any entity yeah. and we know there's no exception to that certainly. she certainly m- made her her views and thoughts mm. her ambitions well known mm. at some point she wanted to become the deputy she wanted to become the president of the NC yeah. take us through that because yeah. one because that would have changed the the, the, the politics of mm. the South African uh, 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 situation as we know it um, what would have been, you know, we're going to take a break, yes. but when you come back, <laughs> I want to know from your perspective, yep. based on your experience of how she managed, what South Africa would have been like had she became the president. We'll okay. take a break and we'll come back in okay. a second. This is Beyond Governance with Dr. Nimrod Mbele. Welcome back. It is now 37 minutes to 7 o'clock and I'm joined in studio by Lassie Chimayo. Uh, we are, are deconstructing the lives, the times and the lives of the late Winnie Mandela. Uh, before we enter the break, I, I asked Lassie to, to give me a sense of how the ANC would have been had Winnie Mandela accepted the nomination in Mafeking, because um, I, I, I would imagine everybody would, would ponder and wonder what, what the administration would have been like, knowing exactly that she was one person who was very decisive, who was very resilient, who had her own agenda, which may not necessarily be a popular agenda. Your, your take on that, mm. uh, Perhaps uh, I'll take a different uh, <clears throat> you know, approach on this. Uh, we 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 byproduct of nature. Nature has got its own way of arranging itself to create stability, predictability, and among the interventions that you find in the process of motion, if you like, is what I would call evolution, uh, change, development, transformation, sophisticated, advanced transformation, then, you know, things that will then take a giant leap from one form to the other. Uh, that's how things happen. If you, if, you, if you want to fast track evolution in a manner that uh, actually disrupts the order of the day. It, uh, it, it, can, it can cause chaos. I don't think the NC was ready at that point at which uh, 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 Mama Winnie Mandela was actually proposed. She was approached. And uh, the, the critical challenge of the NC at that time, especially after the first 1991 consultative conference, was the fact that there was a serious, huge representation of women. And... Uh, um, it's not automatic, obviously, that women would automatically vote for a, a woman. But in an, in an instance where you had a combination of factors, uh, new exiles uh, that have, uh, and it takes time. I mean, much as the strengths were brought together, but it takes time to really delineate or take her away from the mass appeal and the pace that uh, she would naturally, you know, uh, 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 have, which could have, uh, in one or the other, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, caused a lot of chaos because around that time my own suspicion that I was part of that conference was that if if she was allowed to stand I don't think that there would have been two males that would have served in the president in the form of uh, Tabo Mbegi on one hand and uh, uh, Deputy President uh, Zuma that uh, she was actually proposed to, to oppose and perhaps uh, you know the president was able to uh, the, uh, uh, you know, leverage or capitalize. He was deputy president on a technical, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I think a technical, uh, you know, no, I, I, fact, I, 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 factor to, because, because for factor me, to, yeah, to avoid that, uh, yeah, you know, because for me, um, <laughs> the, the issue was um, 
had it not been of the technical nature of the rules, because exactly. the, the then president Tabo said, "Look, you yeah, cannot stand. Yeah. You know, uh, you cannot she stand because um, candidates are not allowed to yeah. invest. Yeah, you can't allow to uh, break the conference. Exactly. There's no rule that provides for exactly. that. Exactly, yeah. and yes. which has been technical. <clears throat> but but yeah. if if she was allowed to converse, she was going to cause chaos. <clears throat> my my own sense that she was going to cause chaos. In, in that youth, she she would have she would have won. She, she definitely would have, uh, I think, uh, amassed, uh, because the, all what I think uh, the, those that uh, raised the name wanted, because the name was actually proposed uh, at plenary, was an opportunity to go canvas and persuade others to, you know, to, to, to throw their weight, because obviously the uh, then deputy president uh, uh, designate uh, Zuma had an advantage that his name had reached the threshold. It had already been raised from provinces, uh, the leaks, and, and so forth. So I think the opportunity that they were looking for was just, you know, to get that conference to break, and uh, they would have come back strong. But which is something that, that I really applaud on the side of the president then, because uh, if we define the rules of engagement, you stick to them. Mm. You don't chop and change because it's convenient for you. Mm. Uh, your take on them, because in as much as uh, we knew would have won, but the president was very it, clear in <coughs> terms of these are the adopted it, uh, rules. It had to take someone as sharp as uh, the president to actually, more than anything else, uh, from what I assessed, uh, I don't think it was uh, the, 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 the merit or the correctness of the decision, but it was, you know, uh, hypothetically imagining what the disastrous outcome of any decision to allow Queen Mandela to go, and I mean, with, his, uh, with her, 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 her campaigners, you know, to go mobilize uh, forces. I, I don't think that Jay uh, would have had an easy and easy right. Uh, Absolutely. My, my own sense is that he probably could not have made it. But again, <clears throat> if you look at the the geopolitical and I would say the climatic uh, nature of uh, the transition at the time, I I I would not have uh, supported any idea where you you bring that sharp sense of contradiction at the helm of the ANC because there's just no way that. Uh, the two are going to see eye to eye, Winnie Mandela and uh, Tabo Mbeki. More so because uh, the nature of a transition and the commitments that had to be made, uh, which were part of but, the but negotiated what, what process, been, what, would been been fundam- what would have been that fundamental point of contention between it's, the two? It's extreme, it's extreme radicalism, if you like, and rationalism. <laughs> uh, you, may, you may all espouse and wish for the same uh, envisaged outcomes. But I think there's always the method, a cha- the method. there's always a challenge of the tactics you employ. There's always a challenge of what the the nature of the environment dictates should be the approach. Because uh, it's well and good to want to represent one extreme section of our people, the poorest of the poor. But it is also equally important to create confidence with those. Remember, South Africa was not liberated through a seizure of power. <clears throat> it was a negotiated process. If it is, it actually means that there has to be a way in which uh, different interests are accommodated and create certainty, predictability, but most, most importantly, isolate the most dangerous radical elements from the right, but equally also isolate the most dangerous from the extreme from the left. left. Uh, so so you, you needed a balancing act, a balancing act that really brings what you can call national consensus. And uh, I, 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 I'm one person who supported and I grew under... Uma Mandela, I'm passionately, she was more like my mother. But I think where I would have to exercise my own independent and critical thought construct process, I would not have supported an idea where we bring that sense of extreme radicalism at the helm of uh, what should be the face that, especially building on the 
on the on the on the transition led by Nelson Mandela. You, no, no, I, you I think you're raising <coughs> a very pertinent point, Lassie, in that one has to look at the context mm. uh, of the transition at the time because exactly. we're talking a a, a consensus based transition, a nation building process, you know, reconciliation and, and, and nation building, which meant there were, mm. there were there were trade offs yeah. on both sides. Yeah. And it was very important that we, we bring in all voices from different angles. Exactly. Uh, and, and those that, that economic power and those that had political but, but, power. But, but, so but, we needed somebody who but, was sober-minded. But the, the worst disruption you can bring to any normal human society process is a fear factor, extreme fear factor. That is a very important element to, to manage and, and actually get tensions to a point, as I said, where you create predictability, certainty. But in a situation where people have been privileged for many years and in fact still have the, fire, the power and the firepower to fight back that were not defeated, you must manage that transition very cautiously. And it's not even just about those that will get to the, to the trenches to fight. It's also essentially about what is fundamental. Will you create the sort of stability and peace that will enable you to grow the economy? To, to mobilize all forces behind our soul, a national compact. But something which she acknowledged uh, uh, before her death at some point, mm. that, uh, um, you know, the ANC in, in general took it for granted that the, the emancipation uh, ought to have been uh, a process which ran parallel to political emancipation because, you know, when, when it ran with one ahead mm. and left one behind, mm. and the kind of um, chaos that we've seen and we're currently mm. seeing mm. Uh, uh, was as a result of the failure to recognize both streams running parallel. What, what, what you really, and I think we have to give it to Mama Mandela, uh, what you need in any social discourse is a segment of people that become what I would call the national uh, expression of the sense of consciousness. The, that would become the voice, that would become the light, that would actually always ensure that uh, the progressive forces stick on the path of change that is fundamentally about changing the, 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 the outlook or total outlook of, of the society, especially in dealing with the credit class contradictions or relations. That voice is important. That, uh, that, that sense of conviction, but most importantly, articulation of those people. So I, I see Mama more as someone that was ideally a, 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 a voice, but uh, I think a sense of, a center of the uh, a, a, a social consciousness of, of the movement. And, and, and I think it's a, it's a role that is important because it always shapes what you can call the theory of, of what you stand for and what you want to achieve. But whether or not, uh, uh, it is it is something that makes one a relevant leader will always depend on the extent to which a, a leader uh, 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 rises to uh, to the equation, but also most importantly understand, uh, interpret, and have a clear sense of uh, what it takes to be what what you normally call a statesman, maybe let's say a stateswoman instead of a brinkmanship, you mm -hmm. know. Uh, uh, or what it can, it can be called opportunism. I'm not just saying that there's been extremes, extreme level of opportunism, but it is always important to balance representing those that uh, you want to place their interest at the center, but also equally, especially in a situation where you have a negotiated settlement, accommodating those that you also have to manage and, and, and allay their fears that can actually buy into the process of change. Because national democratic revolutions are essentially about mobilizing a sense of nationhood, of patriotism, you know, of a, a spirit of uh, social cohesion. 
but, but, unity. But with this, this, your, your last point, Lassie, actually touches on an issue which I wanted to bring to your attention. Um, that is that of a, a, you know, when you do, when you talk of national consensus, the presupposition is that um, they, they, there is a vision, they, they, a vision that anybody, all the, you know, uh, individuals concerned uh, are moving towards. Um, a common objective. You know, and, mm. and that, that common objective um, being legitimate, so to speak. And when when she died, the ANC's, uh, you know, popular position has disintegrated so badly mm. that um, we have seen fragmentation, not only that, but we've also seen uh, political killings in KZN. Mm. This begs the question for me, and I'm sure most of the listeners would concur with me in that. Um, what what would it make uh, for the ANC to rise above these kinds of political killings in KZN when we've been talking of the the unity ticket, for an example? Mm-hmm. When you've been talking on 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 you know unity uh, and what obviously the president uh, of the ANC uh, uh, is, is is obviously projecting uh, in terms of moving forward because. That disunity at the, at the provincial level has the capability of destroying what 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 the nation uh, also espouses. Because political killings mm. have a funny way of of cascading throughout the system, as mm. it were. When yeah, when you have a, <clears throat> what I would call a criminalization of politics, <laughs> um, which which is essentially what I would refer to as a situation where people are no longer brought into the fold by what they feel, what inspires them, which is service, selfless service to the people. When people go to a point of eliminating and silencing each other, it, it tells you that there's something that they're now after, which is, has nothing to do with the NC. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with advancing the cause. It has everything to do with personal interest. They normally call that the politics of the stomach. Because basically it means the floodgates... Everything, everything at yeah, all. You know. the, yeah, the floodgates have opened for criminal elements. You know, and uh, yeah, there's quite a lot that have have found themselves in that in that space, and it it creates a, a serious contradiction because uh, the fundamental reason that you know had uh, uh, the ANC as an organization that was formed in 1912 was about saving people, about fighting for the liberation of our people. At that stage, of course, inclusion of our people in the public affairs, in the economic affairs. You know, of, of of the country, but currently, post-1990, when it was no longer risky to get involved in the NC, and given the massive unemployment rate that we have and all of the other social problems of the fact that, uh, you know, a significant number of what you can call relatively well of Africans who are, part, who are part of the middle class, social workers, nurses, and teachers, and and, 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 and the, 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 the number of Activists that flooded ANC ranks from uh, the Tisha fraternity and, of course, even unemployed. And I think that's one of the serious dimens- uh, uh, indictments of a situation where 27 years after liberation, you, you actually still have an organization that is, is flooded by out what I would call members of society that are at the lowest rank. The, the tendency and propensity of an organic uh, 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 life is that there must be quantitative and qualitative growth at any time that there's evolution between the aspects of uh, uh, space, distance and time. 
But the NC of today is like a, a, a child that has retarded from 27 to actually a one-year-old because you don't have what I call an organic growth element that enables the organization to grow and gets more advanced and sophisticated with time because it's essentially about but, but, but occupying positions. Here's an and, issue. Yes. Here's an issue. And I that's why there is integration because there's a lot of criminal elements. But but here's an issue which which is reflective of political, which is reflective of liberation movement. Mm. Uh, we have no, I mean, we, we know that in Africa, there's yeah, yeah. only one uh, liberation movement that uh, has a seat in parliament that is in Ghana. Mm. All the liberation movement have, have ceased to exist it's completely. Disappeared. It's disappeared. Um, is this uh, uh, something that is inevitable or ANC is, uh, is trying to redefine itself to a point where it becomes an exception than the rule? Uh, if, uh, if you totally deviate, divert from the course, you, you're highly likely to obviously create uh, the cracks in, into which uh, you know, people would fall. And uh, the NC had gone through what it called self-introspection and their commitments that uh, they would be self-correct. If indeed there's any self-correct, it would actually means what you pronounce, what you articulate must be reflected in your actions. You cannot have a situation where uh, you you have what is pronounced as what you stand for, but it doesn't find get expression reflected. In reality. It doesn't find expression in reality, especially in terms of the characters and the caliber of uh, people that you find uh, at branch level right up to an, a national level. Actually, in the state of chaos and crisis that the movement is, it would, it would actually not be surprised that you'd find uh, wolves and sheep in the same camp. And that is not natural. Because you cannot have a situation where sheep volunteer to have uh, wolves to take over their reign, where cats volunteer to have snakes to take over their their reign. And your your take it, was it I just mean, tells you that uh, the your, world your is about to come to an end. Your, your <laughs> metaphor uh, somehow resonates with whatever Manuel was saying against or about the Treasurer General of the NC, mm, the Secretary, uh, Secretary General of the NC. Mm. Uh, your take, and of course, I mean, from from where we're sitting. Um, the, the that particular leadership has lost credibility, you know, because in 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 life perception can become real. We all know that what happened in the east in in the free state, insofar as the dairy farmers concerned, under the leadership of the of the current SG. What has happened to you know to, yep. to Mandela's uh, museum project under the same leadership? Surely you cannot come and and claim to be a public representation when. So much rot has happened on your nose. Look, the, the fundamental departure point is that uh, if you call yourself a liberation movement and not a political party, of course, that only exists to be voted into power. It, it simply means an, an, an organization whose formation is justified by wanting to change the living conditions of the people. So the basis would be whether or not that is a person that is an epitome of the aspirations and hopes of the people. But for over and above, much as uh, not all of us are, you know, angels, but there's always, uh, there's always been a tendency to get leaders of the ANC to be among, selected among the most advanced and sophisticated elements that are close to being reproached, I mean, beyond, beyond reproach. If, if the ANC lose that traction, that ability of selecting the best of the best, in, and it's it's there inbuilt in our own communities, that uh, the evolution of those small societies would always have people that uh, you know masses of the people would would voluntarily identify them as symbols as leaders. And if you have a situation where there's that gap between people that get p uh, placed into positions of responsibility, who they are, where they come from, uh, 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 and actually 
in some instances, you know, where I went, uh, we had to go into a community and, and actually introduce someone that is not known in that community. But if it's a liberation movement, these are people that should have risen through the ranks that are actually products of community struggles that have, have honed, have, you know, their skills of leading and have actually you know, evolve in, in that process of practical engagement and struggle. And if there's that contradiction of people that just mushroom, where if you read some of their CVs, you can't even go beyond five pages. I mean, sorry, five, 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 five sentences. Uh, this one, or he was a teacher, he taught, he became an active member. Dololo, nothing else. You can't have that situation. Not, not when you still have so many of our people that uh, are, are symbols and representatives of that struggle for freedom. In, in, your, so fun, yeah. in, your, fun, in yeah. your fun analysis, uh, Lassie, because we will literally have about two minutes, yeah. I just want to wrap up this, um, this conversation where we are celebrating the lives and the time of, of the late Winnie Mandela. Um, your, conclu- your, cl- your concluding remarks as to um, what now from here, um, you know, as the party that, that she lived all her life, uh, completely disintegrating, can you get to a point where we accept the inevitable? Look, uh, um, I, I, I believe uh, one of the strong elements is that nature has got a way of continuing life uh, on the basis of that which uh, reaches or comes of age that, and flushing. De- that decays. <laughs> uh, exactly as you're saying. I mean, uh, if that organic sense of life is allowed to enable younger talents, the younger generation to emerge with no baggage of the past because some of these individuals have actually been in the public arena and space for more than 50 years. You can't have that situation where a lion that has lost teeth it is still in charge of uh, in, in the kingdom. It doesn't happen in, the, in nature's own world. Younger lions take over. If that lion is there in nature's own world, they remove it. And actually they, they even uh, ensure that uh, it you know, uh, it, disappears. it disappears. And I'm not saying that that's what we need to do, but <laughs> there's just no way that we can keep on having a culture of recycling of leaders. Absolutely. There's a younger generation that is more, actually more even alive to what is happening, because if in 1967 Sputnik could be placed in the moon and Apollo mission could be placed in the moon, it actually tell you that we are in an era where space technology becomes an important... 67, this is the 21st century. They talk in divorces about the fourth industrial revolution, about knowledge economy. You can't have a situation where you still have ape, cage, man mentality that drills into the ground and not drills in the space. Absolutely. So, so you'd have that contradiction. So the NC must go, undergo a fundamental process of renewal. And that should involve letting younger talented generation to actually occupy the space. And the old must start actually thinking about taking care of their granddaughters and mothers thank you instead very, of thank contesting you very, for positions. Thank you very much, Lassie. As always, it's always a pleasure to have you around. Uh, your insight is very much welcome. Um, until we meet again, it has been my pleasure to have you no, thank around. Thank you so much.